everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. So hi Hayley, thanks for joining us today. So... For um, those who don't know you, are you able to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure, no problem. So I'm Hayley Stockbridge and I'm an app-path um, that eight years experience, working in a few clinics in Sydney in one of the areas that I like to specialise in is skin health, um, which is why Alison asked me today to come and talk to you guys. So today we're going to be just talking about the common acne, which is just your um, zits and pimples and things like that. Um, and then hopefully later on we'll be also able to talk about some different types of skin conditions like eczema or acne rosacea, that, that sort of thing as well. Perfect. All right, so, what, so what's actually happening in someone who, in their body in someone who's experiencing acne? So when someone has acne on their skin, um, basically we have a whole lot of glands underneath our skin cells that produce oil every day. And that oil can become um, too much in certain people. We also use the pores in our skin to flush out dead skin cells and white blood cells that don't need to be there anymore. And the combination of the oils and the skin cells and the white blood cells can block up um, the pores or the follicles and lead to breakouts. And people will get either whiteheads or they can get blackheads or they can get more of a cystic type acne that's stuck under the skin. So I think the difference there is the inflammatory and the non-inflammatory type acne. So like the blackheads and the whiteheads are non-inflammatory and then the like the ones that become more cystic, like you, um, they, they go from the stages, don't they? Like there's the papule and the pustule yeah. and the nodules yeah. and, and all. Start as one type and then lead into the other. So Yeah. And so there's a lot of different things that are going wrong internally as well with that. So like if your immune system's not quite right, or your hormones are not quite right. So we'll, we'll go into that a little bit further on as well. Sure. So why do some people get acne and some don't? Like, so for instance, um, like in school, half of the grade had acne, some didn't. And nowadays you have some adults with acne and some don't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess a certain degree of it is genetic. Some people have genes that mean that their skin will be more prone to breakouts which is, I guess, just a little bit of bad luck. Um, but it is a lot to do with your diet, what you're eating, how stressed you are, how your body is handling all your external stress levels. Um, it can be how healthy that your immune system is. And so I guess it's usually a combination of hormone balance, immunity and diet that we use to try and make sure the skin is not breaking out. Yeah. So, I mean, to a certain extent, we kind of don't even really know why it affects one person over another, but we do know the triggers for the people who are prone to it. Exactly. And yeah. often it's a combo of triggers anyway. Yeah. Because you, you can see some people and, and then like after a stressful event, then they'll, they'll automatically get a pimple. Like they know that's going to happen. Yeah. And some other people it might not. Exactly right. So for the girls who are getting the period, um, like period acne, so the acne around the time that their periods are due, what's actually happening there? 
Okay, so I would say that acne is much more common in women usually than it is in men, especially as an adult, if it is adult onset. And we can usually put that down to hormones and hormone balance. So there's a few kind of theories, but um, one of the main reasons that we would get premenstrual acne or skin breakouts around our period time is because in those days leading up to your period, your progesterone and your estrogen is at its lowest levels of the month. So they fluctuate all cycle long. Um, and actually, in some people, estrogen can make their skin really nice and silky and soft and nice and subtle. The problem is that our testosterone or our androgen levels, they stay pretty stable all month long. So if you get to the days before your period and you have less estrogen and less progesterone around to balance out the effect of the androgens, those androgens are basically responsible for increasing oil production in the skin. So we could blame it on the production of androgens. What's interesting about that is actually the skin cell can produce its own androgens. So they don't just come from our circulating blood, but they can actually be made in the skin cells, which is one of the ways that we target the treatment. That's really interesting. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so the testosterone directly isn't necessarily a problem, but it's because it's feeding the sebum and then that feeds the bacteria. And, exactly. And also the high um, testosterone levels are related to the insulin resistance, which means that there's Lots more sugar that. for the... Yeah, yes. Yeah. And there's more stuff for the little buggies to eat. <laughs> more sugar for the little bacteria that live in the skin cells to feed on, which is going to make it much worse. Yes, because it's the bacteria that make it all red and inflamed. Exactly, um, I guess. When they poo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's good. as long as you already have those, like, exposed skin cells and those pores that are either more mm. open or a little bit congested, the bacteria will just get stuck in there. And I think medically speaking, that's the way that they often try and target um, with their creams and also using antibiotics for skin cells. But, I mean, if you look back at some of the causes we've just discussed, then you can see that those treatments aren't really getting to the cause. They're just fixing mm. part, of the, part of the problem. Yeah, because it'll come back eventually. Exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... So for, for women who are getting it around their period time, then definitely treating the hormones and treating the, the dips in the hormones that, that cause a relative excess of the testosterone to occur is important. But like for other adults who are experiencing acne, like that's not related to hormones, like what's the deal with that? Like it just doesn't seem fair, does it? Because you think acne is just a teenager sort of condition. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily seem fair that some people end up with acne and other people don't, even though they might have a similar diet, etc. Um, but I guess that's what I try and tell people, that it isn't fair, but it is what it is. And so if you unfortunately have yeah. to deal with these extra dietary and nutritional ways of trying to help your skin, then so, so be it. But I guess it's more common in people that are poorly managing their stress or eating poorly, other than being related to hormones. Yeah, I guess just um, feeling <laughs> feeling shitty about it isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah, Actually, no. trying to address the underlying causes as un as um, unhelpful as that may seem to be at the start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick up and work on it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, what about the um, location of pimples? Does that have any sort of relevance or meaning? Yeah, absolutely. So we say that any breakouts or acne that are on the forehead are more likely to be stress-related. Anything around the jawline or the chin area is much more likely to be hormonal. 
And then we also think that anything on the cheek area is more likely to be due to poor digestive health or a sluggish mm. digestion. Mm. And so that's a good thing to kind of take into consideration for yourself. Where is the breakout? Where are the skin are they occurring? Because it gives you a bit more of an insight as to what might be causing your specific acne. And that helps us to target the treatment as well. Exactly. It completely changes what we would do. And so what about if it's on the chest or the back or the arms or the, the, bo- the bottom so I see those areas as being more sort of androgen and hormonally driven, mm-hmm. um, usually more of a influence of those androgen or testosterone type hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't these days say really that it's due to poor, poor body hygiene, but I would say that sweaters or people who are mm-hmm. going to the gym a lot or perhaps um, people who have messy jobs where they're around a lot of grit, like I guess builders, etc., are going to be more likely to have breakouts on all areas of the body because of that yeah and um the acne that you can get on the back of your arms or on the tops of your thighs that's actually um a different sort of acne as well but that is all has a lot to do with your omega fatty acid balance and like your fat soluble vitamin levels like your vitamin a and vitamin d and so that's the one that just sort of feels like that like almost like goose flesh yeah yeah folliculitis Okay, so um, are there any foods which can cause acne? Well, there's, there's essentially two groups of foods uh, that I find are the biggest influences. So the first is sugar. I feel like most people realise that sugar plays a bit of a role in making their breakouts worse. And there's a few reasons for that. It can make your skin a bit more oily. We know that if your blood sugar levels are higher and that that insulin regulation of sugar and your skin cells is not ideal. The buildup of sugar can lead to more oil production. Um, and sugar feeds bacteria. So all it means is that you're providing the perfect little food source for the bacteria that are already in your blocked skin cells. So definitely one of the first changes to make is to cut back on sugary foods. And I'm talking obviously sugary foods, junk foods, etc. But to the degree of having to be a bit careful with things like freshly squeezed fruit juices or having too much fruit throughout the day. The second food, though, that I feel makes a really massive difference is dairy products. Um, And I've had really amazing results with patients cutting out dairy and their skin seems to be so much better after that. That's interesting. A lot of people probably wouldn't be aware of the link between the dairy and and the skin. Yeah. But so what do you think is actually happening there? Do you think that's just because of that food intolerance inflammation reaction? Yeah, so I think it could be a few things. Um, there is a little bit of information around the fact that when we are drinking milk from another animal, it contains hormones, which is therefore disrupting our own hormone level slightly. So we're ingesting hormones from that animal, which isn't useful. Um, it is also a very inflammatory food. It's very hard to break down. And some people do have an intolerance to dairy as well which can be tested and something that I'll often look into. Um, but I definitely find cutting out all dairy products means, seems to make the biggest, quickest difference in someone's skin health. And how, do you find that wheat is similar? I don't seem to find that wheat has as big an impact on acne specifically. Just more so the dairy. Yeah, the dairy seems to be the one that's the bigger trigger. And is it all forms of dairy, just milk, cheese, creams? or? Uh... Yeah, so in this case, I seem to find that most people with acne can tolerate goats and sheep products better than they can cows products. So um, depending on the person and their current diet and how bad their skin is, I will usually suggest cutting out almost all of the 
cow-based dairy, dairy products, so yogurts, cheeses, milks, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. But I might say that, you know, if something slipped in twice a week, then it's no problem. Um, so they're going to cut it out as much as they can. And a little bit of goat's milk, goat's cheese, sheep's milk, sheep's yogurt is okay and doesn't seem to have too much of an impact. Excellent. <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people, have, or I, sometimes I read in certain uh, articles in magazines and things like that that um the chocolate causing acne is a myth apparently but what i I find funny about that is that the study that they are claiming that on that that, um where they compared chocolate to something else and found that it had no difference was it wasn't actually really um chocolate that was um like a highly refined um sugary stuff with like like rancid vegetable oils and um like hardly any chocolate in it at all (laughs) and they found that both groups actually got the acne so it's like well there you go like if you actually just had like maybe a less refined form of chocolate it may not actually be a problem but it's all the stuff that goes along with it like the the dairy and the sugar and the yeah I'm sure it's not the actual cacao yeah (laughs) that's the issue it's the fact that it's full of dairy and it's full of sugar that's probably making it worse yeah exactly studies <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the common treatments for acne that um that are out there for people and like what are some ones that they should actually be more cautious of so medically speaking i guess the first port of call for women especially is to be put onto the pill mm-hmm. which means that theoretically their hormone levels will be at a bit of a flat line state so they're not getting as big of fluctuations which can help the skin, but the the problem with using the pill long-term, besides the obvious side effects that we know of around long-term cancer risk and things like blood clotting disorders, which are not ideal, um, you're going to come off the pill at some point and you're going to be left to battle with the exact same condition that you had before you went on it. So it's masking what is still going to be an underlying problem and at some point that's going to have to be dealt with, which is not ideal. I find a lot of people, a lot of my patients are put onto minamycin, which is an antibiotic, um, a really low-dose antibiotic to clear up the bacterial infection in the skin. And I find that it does actually work most of the time, but taking a daily antibiotic for months and months on end will wreak absolute havoc onto your gut flora and your digestive health, and it's not recommended long-term. What we can do, though, is use herbs and things that work in a similar way to antibiotics to reduce the bacterial infection in the skin without having to resort to antibiotics. Last resort is Roaccutane. These days I find most doctors are a little more apprehensive about prescribing it because it's quite a hardcore medication. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very, very high dose of vitamin A derivative, which is essentially toxic. Um, It has been linked to depression in people that are taking it. In Mm -hmm. fact, there's really high suicide rates in people that have taken Roaccutane, plus it completely, completely dries up your skin. Yeah. Um, your skin goes flaky, your lips start peeling off, your fingers have skin peeling off, and so I'm not sure whether those side effects are really worth the mm. clearing up. And because of the way that it affects the, the oil glands as well, you can get the hair loss as well. Yeah, yeah, creating a whole new set of problems. Mm. And there's um, a whole heap of risk of birth defects if you um, do conceive while you've been taking it or shortly after you've been taking it as well because, I mean, vitamin A is important but too much can be a problem as well. 
So um, inflammatory bowel conditions are really common in people that are that have been taking that as well. I've seen. Oh no. Yeah. It's um. I I I think the thing is is that like you've got to try try the safest options first, and yeah. then work your way down the line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I do understand people not wanting to walk around all day with a face full of breakouts and that that's not a very nice thing to have to go through, but mm-hmm. absolutely there's so many more natural, safer options that you can try before having to go down the medical route that yeah. you should get shot. <clears throat> but the pill is the most common one that I see that people that women are on to try and control their acne. And I think that they become so afraid of coming off it because they feel that their skin is automatically going to flare up as soon as they stop taking it. Yeah. Um, so do you usually have a bit of a protocol in sort of phasing people off the pill or yeah, like if, so if that's what they want to do? If someone who made the decision to come off the pill and are worried about their skin health, then often for the first couple of months after they've stopped the pill, we'll do a lot of liver work and liver, a lot of sort of detox work mm-hmm. um, to try and flush out the hormones from the pill because mm-hmm. they can stay in your system for a few months. Mm-hmm. And if your body is starting to produce its own level of hormones again and you've got the residual hormones from the pill still hanging around, you can definitely get like a rebound skin breakout while your body adjusts to its new hormonal kind of balance. Um, so usually a bit of detox and a bit of liver work mm. helps. And building up the nutrients that the pill depletes, I find helpful as well, like zinc yeah. and B vitamins yeah. and, and the, the gut. Um, work as well because um, they work similarly to antibiotics exactly into in how they um, can kill off your bacteria mm. exactly and we all know that the immune system is intricately connected to how yeah. bacteria in your gut are balanced and so you've definitely got a bit of an uphill battle on your hands definitely. to try and clear your skin if you've gone off the pill and you haven't taken that into consideration so um yeah, so you would say that they can still be on the pill when they start getting treatment from you, or would you? Would, yeah. Yeah. So I guess from a nutritional perspective, it would be better to see them in the month or two before they plan to stop, so that you're building those levels up. Yeah. Um, and I usually start the detox work as soon as they're finished. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are um, herbs that we can use for the hormones as well. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, are there any sort of topical treatments that you recommend for someone with acne? Um, so I've found the best products commercially that work the best for cleaning up the skin in acne is actually the Mugu products. Okay. So Mugu make a product that's called Acne Cleansing Cream, and I've had really amazing results with patients using just that cream alone, which is completely natural. There's nothing artificial. There's no preservatives, etc. in there. There's no chemicals. Oh, that sounds great. It's funny that you've got um, people off dairy, but then they're putting dairy. (laughs) (laughs) So with Mugu products, their original product contained milk, and now they have like 15, 20 different products and they don't contain the milk anymore. Ah, But because their original product was a milk-based formula, that's where they came from. Fair enough. The actual acne or skin cleansing one is non-dairy-based. And it uses um, different things as antibiotics and antibacterial on the skin. They're all completely natural. Um, and lots of oils and essential, and lots of essential oils and healthy oils as well. Anti-inflammatories, it's quite, mm. a, quite a good cream. Yeah, there, there are quite a lot of essential oils that can be really helpful. I also like the Thursday Plantation one, which has the tea tree oil in there, which has yeah. a bit of an antibacterial, anti-inflammatory effect. And sometimes you can get some with a little bit of lavender oil, or you could even just add that in yourself. 
exactly. Mm. The tea tree is as good as a face wash as long as you dilute it. Yes. Often I'll get my patients to put a couple of drops of tea tree into some warm water and splash their face with it each night before bed so that they've got the tea tree on their skin while they're sleeping. Um, and actually, specifically, lavender oil is really, really good for redness in the skin. Mm. So you can put lavender directly on a zit or a pimple. Yep, just um, dab it on. Yeah. It. And it is a really good antibacterial and antimicrobial, but it just so happens to get rid of the redness at the same time. Mm. So both the tea tree oil and the, the lavender oil are good to have on hand. Excellent. And do you get people to use any sort of clay masks? No, I've not before. I find that can be helpful. So um, like a bed and night um, type clay mask once a week or so can be just helpful for reducing. Yeah, and just reducing inflammation as well. Um, And you may find that because it is so drawing as well, it may be red for the first time after using it um, and that the acne may actually temporarily worsen, but it will then significantly improve shortly after. Oh, I'll have to keep that one in mind. Mm. And then the other thing is um, in terms of using moisturisers. So do you um, find that the Mugu has a pretty good range for that or do you tend to use just more basic oils? Mugu does actually have some really good face moisturisers that are very light. Um, They don't put as many of the oils in and they're quite water-soluble. So they're quite good for, um, I guess, oily-prone skin, Mm -hmm. very balancing. Um, I'll often recommend rosehip oil as well just Mm -hmm. to go straight before bed which people get a bit scared about because it is an oil however it's really good to reduce scarring yes um, in people that have had really bad acne and to put it on overnight and then wash it off in the morning it's really good as a moisturizer but for the scarring at the same time definitely and I think it's good it's important that we debunk that misconception about um, putting oil on oily skin won't actually make you more oily it will actually help to balance the oil production because yes. a lot of the time um, you've got dry dry oily skin so your body is actually pumping out more oil in an attempt to address the yeah the dryness and so if you then put in a nice oil like um rosehip oil or jojoba oil or something like that then your body will make less as a response exactly Mm. i guess the good thing about using these natural substances is that they're putting nutrients into your skin cells yeah so you can take your nutrients and take your vitamins and they'll obviously help from the inside out but whatever you can get topically into the skin cells is going to help a lot as well yeah and if the acne is quite bad then you you may likely need some extra topical help as well and so that's where that can be really helpful and so um the other thing is is for the the scars you were talking about the um, rosehip oil being helpful for that I find that calendula can be helpful too when it's used as a cream or a wash um, and gotcha collar can be helpful but um we haven't um covered it yet but the nutrients that you take topic um, internally for treating zinc can be um for treating acne <laughs> well, zinc is one of them <laughs> zinc yep zinc is one of the most important and i actually do tend to prescribe a lot of vitamin a yeah i will only prescribe it obviously in women who are not planning to fall pregnant mm-hmm. But I find vitamin A at high dose to make a really good difference in stopping the skin cells from producing so much of the oil or so much of the sebum. And basically, the vitamin A tones down um, androgen levels in the skin cells mm. so that you're not getting as much of a, an oil buildup to start with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a good thing to do because vitamin A is actually very, very cheap. It's very cost effective. Mm. And often buying a tub of vitamin A capsules that are dosed of around 10,000 international units a day 
three-month supply is around $10. So it's an easy one to add in the mix. The capsules are really tiny and I find it easy for someone to do long-term. Mm. Um, usually I would get them to do it for about three months and then stop because it is a fat-soluble vitamin. You don't want to take high doses of vitamin A ongoing. Mm -hmm. um, and the zinc is the next one that makes a really big difference. Um, I often find fish oil to be quite useful yep. because it primarily reduces the inflammation in the skin as well. I guess those would be my top three go-to nutrients for skin, cell, health. What would you use, the same or anything else? Well, I love zinc um, quite a lot for treating skin conditions, particularly when there is that um, predisposition to scarring or already existing scarring, and it helps with that elasticity and, and the collagen production as well. Um, yes. Sometimes with a bit of vitamin C in there as well can be helpful, but I, I've also been using the vitamin A um, in my clinic for the last few years in people with acne and finding good results with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy for them to take as well. Yeah, and like Often, I said, cost-effective. So cheap, and so they're very happy to do it. Yeah. Because unfortunately, sometimes when treating acne, you can want to address every angle, address the bacteria, address the hormones, address the skin cells, and mm. they'll end up on this huge array of supplements. So anything mm. that's being cost-effective like the zinc is and the vitamin A, yeah. I think is a good addition. Um, usually a probiotic makes a big difference as well, yep. <laughs> which I usually add in, and then I'll use some herbs. Mm -hmm. So what are your favourite herbs for treating acne? Um, so I've played around lots of different combinations. I find uh, because of the antibacterial components, any barberry or sorry, any berberine-containing herbs such as barberry or the mm. golden seal makes a big difference. Mm. They, they act like a natural antibiotic. So they, they do a lot of what the minamycin does in terms of clearing out the bacteria without all the detrimental effects on gut health. Mm. And that's what I've been doing for the last year or so with fairly good results. And there's actually quite a lot of research in berberine-containing herbs being helpful for PCOS um, as, a, as a condition. And we know that a lot of people with PCOS have quite a lot of acne issues too. So it has um, definitely an effect on hormones as well as that antimicrobial effect. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I usually find some echinacea works as well, yep. just to get the immune system balancing better and functioning better. Um, and calendula I like to put into my mixes mm. too mm. for healing skin cells and as a lymphatic or a bit of a cleaner of the skin cells. Yep. I love all them. And then I also like chase tree, um, depending on what's happening in the person and whether they're on the pill or not, um, because of the way that it can help to um, promote ovulation and therefore enhance progesterone levels. Um, exactly. And I also use a lot of other anti-inflammatory and depurative or skin cleansing type herbs, such yeah. as burdock or cleavers. So they're the, the very traditional acne herbs. <laughs> yeah, they are. Mm. They work well. They taste gross. <laughs> yes. So, do, so does echinacea though. So. Yeah, I don't mind it. Because when you take the, a good quality echinacea and if it has a lot of the acolamides, which is the, yeah. the main active constituent they've identified, it makes your tongue tingle. And not everyone can handle that. <laughs> no, I know. I find I need to give everyone a good warning yeah. and then they're fine with it. Yeah. Um, those so, are the main herbs that I would use. Yeah. I think, I think it's... um got so much to do with your diet and then the nutrients and then the topical stuff and when it's all working together it doesn't have to actually be too complicated but 
I do think that um, in term, if you are looking at using herbs, see a practitioner, of course, or a yes. naturopath or a herbalist, because for starters, they can give you the better quality options, but then they can also individualize it to you as well. So after taking a case history, then we're usually able to sort of figure out, oh, well, you might need to go down this route a little bit more or, or target this aspect. Not really would we expect someone to take every single thing we've just discussed. It has to be <laughs> exactly tailored to you and what your acne seems to be coming from and where your hormone levels are before you'd be able to figure out exactly what's right for you. Exactly. And obviously, um, if things get trickier, then we can still work with that as well. But what we've covered is, is the most sort of general situation. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. So... Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with acne? Uh, the only last point that I don't think we made a good point about is the healing effects of the fruits and veggies generally um, and the fact that following a really high plant-based diet with lots of lots and lots of veggies, particularly green veggies and a moderate mm. amount of fruit, makes a massive difference. And essentially that's just clean eating yeah. um, to give skin so many nutrients for healing and your immune system so much extra little phytochemicals for immune support and mm. anti-inflammatory actions that um, really you've got to get back to basics with your eating and eat as clean as possible. Definitely. You know, that's a really good point. I don't know why we missed that. <laughs> 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 and so um, similarly, is there any foods that you, apart from the, the sugar and things like that, that you would get people to avoid? So like, like caffeine or anything like yeah. that? really inflammatory will be a problem so yes yeah. the caffeine should be avoided yes alcohol should be avoided lots of red meat can be quite inflammatory as well so lots of fish would be recommended with a bit of chicken and turkey and maybe you know one serve a week of a red meat rather than um, what is easy to do with a lot of my patients are having red meat quite frequently um, any really fatty cuts of meat aren't going to be ideal because all animals store hormones in fat cells so if we're eating really quite fatty dense foods then we're going to essentially just be eating the hormones from that animal which will further upset our own mm. Mm. Um, so we would like moderate amounts of nuts and seeds and good quality whole grains like oats and brown rice um, and as many veggies as you can possibly fit in in a day yep so the um eat the rainbow every day eat the philosophy rainbow every is day, good. exactly love it <laughs> Awesome. So thank you so much for all the insight that you've provided um, me and everyone else today. I, I think that hopefully this will be really helpful for a lot of people. So if anyone wants to get hold of you, how can they do that? Um, so probably the easiest thing is to find my website, which is www.hayleystockbridge.com.au. And all my information is on there about where I work, my email address in case you want to contact me and send any emails through is on there too. You can find my Facebook page, which is Haley Stockbridge Naturopath, or my Instagram, which is Haley underscore Stockbridge underscore Naturopath. Awesome. And, <laughs> and I'm on naturopathnsw.com.au and, and you can find all my social media links on there as well. Okay, so um, thanks everyone for for listening today. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a um, review on iTunes and subscribe. So thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.